Welcome again to another episode of What's New in Wagyu. Again, my name is Stephen Wolf. I'm here to guide you through another week of this fun-filled world we like to call Wagyu. Today we're going to do a few things. Um, first, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of some industry changes that I've seen coming on in the last little bit. And then we're going to go out and we're going to see two sales. Um, they're both Akaushi sales, Red Wagyu, Japanese Brown. Uh, the one thing that I've, I wish more of these animals were dual registerable, but they're not. But uh, I think it's important to kind of pinpoint some of the things I've seen changing in the breed and, and some of the things that worry me a little bit, um, just in the change of how things are going. Some of these things are, are big changes. Um, when I started in Wagyu, uh, there was no push for pulled animals. There were people doing it. Slater started doing it, oh geez, a decade ago. And they had some minimal success with it. It kind of faded in and out. Um, and again, I'm talking red Wagyu, right? So I've seen the pulled animals. The pulled animals came into the blacks, geez, five, six years ago, and they've done well. Uh, there's nothing wrong with them other than they're not full blood. And for my operation, we're a full blood operation. We don't dabble in purebreds. We don't dabble in, in F1s. The F1s we do have, we sell on to other operations or to, you know, one of the big four packing houses that has a very good program. And, and that's what we do with them. We don't hold them over. We don't mess with them. You know, my sole interest is in full blood cattle. So when I start seeing gene dilution with the pulled homozygous gene, it's, it worries me a little bit. And mainly because there's so few Wagyu out there as there is. I really believe that a lot of people should, you know, try to maintain full blood herds. And I get it. Horns suck. They're hard to deal with. Unless you're set up to do it or have done it most of your life, it, it's kind of an inconvenience. And one of those things, you know, bounces around in my head from time to time is, is this better for a new person to get some pulled cattle? So I haven't made a decision on it. I, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's just a different model than I'm used to. And, and that's the big thing here. You know, I'm never going to discourage someone from following their own passion and dream or, or their own niche within the breed. But for me, it doesn't work. You know, I have enough trouble keeping my, my full bloods on top of everything, on top of the gain, on top of feed, on top of all those things that are necessary for us to have a, a very good program that people come from all over the country and, and halfway across the world to come buy a piece of my operation. And, and it helps them out. It makes their operation better because I breed things very traditionally. Doesn't mean I don't use third or fourth generation genetics by any means, but I am definitely breeding for an animal that gives me a nice, nice big carcass, a nice even fat cover, and it has to marble well above the average red wagyu in the country or I don't want it. If it can't compete with black wagyu, I do not want it. And it's never going to be the best of the black wagyu. It'll never beat the best of the black wagyu. But if I can't beat a majority of what I see as people selling as full-blood black wagyu, I, I'll stop doing it. And I have been lucky and blessed and had the opportunity to learn from a great breeder, multiple breeders, 
and have found what works for our system. We have phenomenal animals that are above most people in the nations. You know, a lot of the bigger breeders, they're breeding just to sell animals. Hell, we kill as many animals as we sell every year into the breeding systems. So, you know, we have an advantage. We've got an in-house database that's absolutely phenomenal and it's hard to beat when, when you have in-house data. I don't share a lot of that because that is proprietary to our operation and has cost us a great sum of money to, to produce and to get. So talking a little bit more about the pulled stuff, you know, when I see a lot of pulled red wagyu, I, I get a little, little concerned. Um, and then I start looking at their pedigrees and I absolutely think that some of these are absolutely on point. I think they could produce an awesome carcass. Too bad they'll never be a full blood, but they can produce an awesome carcass that can help somebody down the road and help and possibly bring new people into the breed as like the baby step into the breed. They don't want to deal with the horns. They want something that they're kind of used to. And I think that sometimes this is, this is the way people do it. And I don't mind that. I think that it's very important. It's very easy to judge and worry about things that, that are trivial as long as the, most of the breeding is really good a lot of times you're just fine so the first cell we're going to start talking about today is christensen genetics i've seen him have a cell here and there uh, i've talked to seth seth lives mm, i'd say about three eh, two hours away from me all the way down on the utah border and and he calls and talks to me a lot and, and picks my brain and everybody else is around and i think that he has decided that he has an, a way of selling these pulled animals and, and, ma and mating them so that they are good cattle and that they, they're going to meet the needs that he needs. And I think that that's pretty cool. I, I know a lot of guys that, you know, they, they try to copy or mimic success. And, and in this game, you have to fit it to your system. You can't decide all of a sudden that you're going to get in this and copy the neighbor because what works for me is not going to work for you what works for me doesn't work for seth because even even that two hour drive there's so there, there's a mountain range two mountain ranges and then he has that nevada plateau or the the utah plateau to worry about that, that draws in that heat and inversions and it, it's just a different climate so we're going to start off with his lot one. What he's done here is is he's gone out and he's bred, he found Del Secchi. Uh, a lot of people, when they go to this style of bull, the first bull they seem to be attracted to is Del Secchi. And, and I think that, you know, by and large, he's a good-looking bull. I, I haven't seen a ton of his calves because it's just not the realm I'm in, but his breeding's well enough that he should marble well. And then somehow he's matched this with a Slater Ranch 644H. So what he's done is, is he's taken two animals that are homozygous pulled and, and decided that, you know, that's the route he's going to go. And, and he's going to try to create an animal, sorry, two animals that are heterozygous pulled and, and breed these dams, these two together. And he's going to give you a, a shot of having a calf that that's going to be a homozygous pulled purebred and 
it, it's pretty cool, right? Like, y you have two heterozygous, you get a homozygous or a heterozygous, right? And, and that's the big thing, the genetic link into it's going to help you find where you need to be in this. There's a couple thing about Del Secchi I do not like. I think he's awful short for his breeding. I've seen other bulls with similar sire build out that I just I just think that he he's either going to grow into himself and he's going to come out of that at four or five, or he's always going to be a touch shorter than I like to see. And you know that's it is what it is. Going on to lot two, he, he you know and again like I tell I've been telling you you know this is going to be a primarily pulled cell. You know, Seth's rallied around the pooled. I think it's a wise idea for a new breeder. And again, here's the other thing. He's selling these animals already pregnant. And he's not selling the animal. He's selling an embryo inside of a cow that you get to bring home and cab out. And that's, you know, half the battle sometimes in the embryo games getting your cow pregnant. So, you know, he's taking that and moving forward in a way that's going to really, really benefit you if you really want to get into this pulled game and, and there's a lot of be there's a lot of money to be made i think in the pulled game just like there's a lot of money to be made in the full blood game if done properly so kind of a cool deal um he's bred this his he has a, a cg daisy crockett is one of seth's primary animals that, that he's had for a little while and i think she's a very good cow I think that she has a lot of potential and that she's got a lot of bits and pieces. I'm going to like to see her as she gets older and, and see if she fills out and see kind of what the ins and the outs are. But he took her and he bred her to SLA Danji from Slater. Um, Slater kind of pioneered the pulled game. And I think that they have set themselves up so wisely with this bull only because it's a 518 son or 518 daughter bred back across uh, a very very nice great grandson of Shugmaru and and Shugmaru is going to bring you in a lot of things that that's hard to get in structure and phenotype but 518 is a Hakari son by Diate he's a half brother to Red Emperor and he's a very very sought after sire for folks who know they need marbling in their life and if they're trying to, to fix something and his semen has gotten so expensive over the years because of the limited amount of semen that was collected on him in the 90s. And, and this is a cool opportunity to bring those genetics into your herd. And I think that the cool part about that is, is that you're getting a high quality animal that's going to bring you a ton out the back door. So, you know, and Seth's cow on here on the bottom, she's CG, Daisy Crockett. And the cool thing about her, she's a King David. Everybody's seen King David for the last couple of years. He's, he's probably one of the first pulled animals that Heartbrand really rallied behind. You know, King David is a grandson of Big Al. I don't necessarily love all of his breeding. He does match Shugmaru a couple times and Buck Cherry into the breeding. But, uh, you know, King David never impressed me. That's probably some of the reasons I never got into, into some of the stuff early on. But Seth's cow, she's a very interesting cow because she is a, you know, 
Seth has another cow called CG Marbling X919, and she is a very good daughter of Big Al. I would say that she is one of, by breeding, one of the better Big Al daughters, and only because she stacks in Big Al and Yume and Akiko all into one package for you, and she rolls it in, and, and you get some Shugmaru on the backside, and that's going to help you with your phenotype. But if you dig deeper into what's just on the paperwork, you know, you can get back into her and, and she also has Hakari. And that's that's a huge help when it comes to making sure your animals are gonna marble long term and do the things that they need to do for you. Sometimes we get caught up, I think, by 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 different things that don't matter. And and one of those things are well, my neighbor said that this animal doesn't work. Well, does your neighbor have carcass data, and did your neighbor give it to you? Oh, and on top of which, is it your neighbor's carcass data? I don't care if your third brother's cousin has carcass data, and you can give it to me. You do not understand that carcass data unless it's your own, and there are a lot of breeders right now touting how great a bull is or how smart they are because they, they found this bull. And to be honest with you, their carcass data is from a big operation that deals in F1s. That means almost nothing to me. Only because they didn't take the time to go and find and understand this genetics. They were given the opportunity to deflect the data. And and to me, that's that's half the game. You know, if you don't collect the data, research the data, know the data, you're not going to be a better breeder tomorrow. Um, this is also going to be another pregnancy and he has put this in a four-year-old angus cow or commercial angus cow and you're going to have to calve her out at home not a not a big challenge you know seth's pretty good about picking up cows making sure that they're good to go and that they're going to make you successful in the calving experience so moving down to the next to the next item, light item three, is in, and Seth has this as a pulled Rusha heifer pregnancy. So I've got some interesting things in, that roll around from time to time in my brain. Um, and sometimes I think that I get a little caught up in my own stuff some, from time to time. Um, one of those things that are kind of a pet peeve to me is everybody wants to use Rusha right now, but nobody's using him for what he's designed for. Everybody's like, oh, Rusha is the national champion. He's the best marbling bull that ever came out of Japan. So I want to sit here and talk about this for a second. Rusha came here in the 70s. And in Japan, one of the most progressive countries that collect data and breed Wagyu in the world, you're telling me that they didn't produce any better than Rusha in 20 years when in the 90s we brought these cattle over. We use Rusha, we use Judo. I bought it at a great price back at, you know, eight years ago. And we use it to break up our COIs, our inbreeding coefficients. Here's the problem I have. A lot of people go, oh, you know, this animal is a 0% inbreeding coefficient, but then they turn around and they breed it to another animal or collect embryos that takes that benefit away. I know of a couple cows out there, only a couple, that are like a Rusha Judo by a, like a Shigmaru, 
and they're the only cows I know of that you can use all of the mainstream animals and keep your breeding coefficient, you know, under 0.5%. And it's okay. Like there, there's very few animals. There's very few ways to breed in this industry. But but I want to put that out there. And 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 that's kind of how it is. So Seth has another cow that he picked up a couple years, I think a year ago, maybe, a, I think he's the first calf through her now. He bought a JC Mish Rusha 121. Don't mistake her as being part of the JC Rusha 7592 family. She actually has the same sire, but a different dam. I actually like this dam a little better than the JC Rusha 75s and 92s and Rusha 2s because it has Hakari. And, and what they've done is, is they've brought the best marbling of the bulls that came in the 90s and mixed it with Rusha. My problem with this breeding is is she has a brother that's over at Origin and I'm not sure if they're getting enough data collected on him to be a good measure of how his siblings are going to affect the industry. And because I don't feel like they've done a good enough job, the problem comes in is sometimes you know when you start reading stats from origin on the bull i, I he he kind of falls short i don't know if it's you know going to be the same thing and transferred through the whole flush or that you know something else has happened that they're breeding them to cattle and not finishing them appropriately so moving on uh the top end of this is one of slater's pp slater 662 and this is a pretty nice little bull. Like, if you look at the picture, he's a beautiful bull. He's another Shugmaru grandson. Slaters have really rallied around Shugmaru over the years. And I think that, that the benefit that they get from him is, is that they have pretty sons and pretty daughters. And if you look at him, he's a touch lighter in color than I really like to see him. But I, I don't think you're going to run into spotting issues. Not yet, anyway. Um, and I think that you'll have a really good chance of buying this animal um and and being successful with it the big thing is is you know again these are all female pregnancies and 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 seth's giving you a due date so that's huge like i would really if i was really looking into getting into the homozygous pulled and the heterozygous pulled animals this is another you know another way to to maximize that you know, and then we go on to the next lot. Um, the next lot's lot four, and again, you know, they're using the his Davy Crockett daughter, or female, sorry, his Davy Crockett female, um, back onto another nice Slater bull. And the cool thing about this is, is Slater's really done a good job with this bull being as young as he is. Um, again, he's a 518 grandson, so he's got Hakari, he's got he's got all the big names that everybody wants, and he's pulled. The one problem is is he does have Tamaru in this system and, and Tamaru hurts your marbling a little bit, but he's gonna give you some frame and size and depth. And when you look at the picture you can see he does. He has frame, he has size, he has depth, he has a nice small head. I feel like he's going to make somebody a lot of money long term. And and there's a lot to to do um, that make this a very good meeting. And, and and I think that a very good long term for someone, if they were to buy it, calve it out, and, and use it in their system. 
the cool thing you know here is is when you bring this animal out i think you're going to benefit from his structure and and from his depth and, and that's huge right i think that when you start talking about those things you know structure and depth that's a lot of stuff that we forget and and it, and it shouldn't be it should be one of those things that we be very mindful of moving on to lot five seth's got a really really nice uh mating here and the weird thing about this one is is i hadn't heard of the sire until I started looking at the catalog and for me you know when I see things that I don't see I, it, it's interesting to me right again he's using his JC Remus Rusha 121 and he's bred it across a bull called Mr. Clean from Heartbrand the first thing I did when I looked at this pedigree is I saw that you know it had a lot of names and they were evenly disputed distributed amongst them you know, this breeding has Shugmaru four or five times in it. It's got, you know, Big Al two times in it. But the thing that really interested me about the whole situation is that when I got down to the female side, there were some animals I'd never even heard of, like Pine Island. You know, I had to look that animal up and, and try to figure out where it came from. And that's what's fun to me. I love seeing new genetics that I haven't seen because it keeps me on my toes, right? Um, a lot of people are buying into Rusha right now because it's hot. It, the semen's getting ridiculously priced. This is a good opportunity to get a grandson of his on a very good set of animals that I don't think that you're going to have many problems with. Now, this is the part that I really like. Seth's gone out and he's done some full blood breeding. It's full blood breeding. And in lot six, he took Big Al and he mixed it with JC Rusha 121. And I think that this is going to be an interesting deal. This pregnancy is going to stack to interesting um, breedings. I am not a huge Big Al fan. I do have a Big Al son, but only because his mom is JC, JVP30E. And she was just such a phenomenal female that I figured it would counteract the problems that I was seeing with Big Al in a lot of herds. The problem with Big Al is, is he's so deep through the chest that he does not produce an even cover on his on his offspring once they go to, to the feedlot. I think you can overcome that with a few things. One of them is breeding to Rusha, and, and that's what this is. And what they've done is, is you know, Heartbrands rallied around Big Al. I'm not, not sure why they chose that bull. Of all the bulls, when they bought the property to choose, that was the one they did. And, and there's been a lot of Big Al sons, and I think that they're very productive and very successful. They're not, they're not as productive in, in the way I like to have productivity. But I think that they do a good job 80% of the time. And this is a very good opportunity for you to own a pregnancy from Big Al over a Rusha daughter. And the cool part is, is now you're stacking die 10. You're stacking die 10 through Big Al and through JC Rusha 121 because of Hakari. And by doing that, you're going to offer yourself the opportunity to have an animal that will produce quality meat and give you good, good carcass structure. We've rolled back into another pulled bull. Again, um, this is a, a bull that I'd, I'd heard of. I've never seen a lot of pictures of him. They call him Smooth Criminal from Heartbrand. I think that he's a good bull. I think that, that the interesting thing about him is, is that he is a lot younger than a lot of the bulls I've seen around. And I, I, there's not a lot of doubt on him. 
Again, he's very heavily bred into King David. And then Hartbrand 15 16th, which was also another bull at the same time King David was around. Um, they bred another group of animals and came up with a female called Hartbrand 15 16th. And she's cool because she has a judo top end. And if you read a lot of the early data and stats and some of the early research when they did you know the first two red animals the first two black animals judo actually was the highest marbling of of all of them um they did have a plus or minus 30 um and michifuku because of that beat out judo but but for red animals he's still probably one of the better red animals the problem is is most people don't know how to use him for one and two they don't like his head shape and, and i don't blame them I, I find that judo animals have a very certain head shape and and i don't mind it so i don't worry about it he's bred this smooth criminal the 7662 from heartbrand i think that she's a pretty dang good cow she's phenotypically correct and and she looks like she's she's built in a way to take care of of the next generation in milking quality in that the interesting thing if you start looking at them um this female is very traditionally bred heartbrand. You know, they used they used Big Alaton in her pedigree, and they used Joe Joe's in this pedigree. So you're getting some Shugmer in there. So so there's a lot of opportunity to get a lot of big name bulls all at once in this breeding. And and that's the hard part I find sometimes is finding consistency in breeding. So Seth's giving you an opportunity to calve out a cow and have a good start and be able to do it at an affordable price because I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to be able to pay for these. You know, you might be able to pay, pick them up for seven to ten grand here today. You're going to be spending twice that, possibly twice that, once they're born and on the ground and going. You know, we move on to the next lot, lot A. It's very similarly bred to an earlier lot. And, and right, you know, you have to have multiple lots in these. You know, you collect a bunch of semen, you collect a bunch of embryos, and then you put them all together and, and everything works out, right? So um, then you move down to, to the next lot, which is lot number nine. And lot number nine's, you know, another rerun lot. You know, he's, he has it earlier in the, in the sale. I think that that there's a lot of benefit to these Slater bulls. I, I've always liked Slater Cattle Company. I think they've done a really good job. Uh, the one thing that I do worry about from time to time with Slater is that they're just so heavily bred in Shugmaru and Tamaru. And, and as long as the female side looks good, you're going to hit a home run. Uh, Slater does have, have a great reputation and the great ability to make things work. You know, when we move on to lot 10, you know, he's touting another, uh, you know, how this is another way to get Rusha. And, and Rusha in a homozygous pulled Akaushi genetic way. And, and that's hard, right? Um, it's hard to get these things. Um, this this bull calf, you know, he's saying that, that, that he knows it's going to be a bull calf and that um, he guarantees that, the home, that it's going to at least be homozygous pulled and blended calving ease with muscle and growth. You know, anytime you influx any of these older bulls, especially Rusha and Judo, you you really drop your calving issues down to almost nothing. You know, and you lose some some big you know big gain, right? Like the top end's never going to be as good, but you don't lose out on some of the things, the little things that matter. 
you know, and that's that's huge. Um, the next two are are Del Sec- You know, he's got an, a Del Secchi's coming up again on on top of the same Rusha, uh, JC Rusha cow, and then he hits Del Secchi's up again with CG Marble X nine one nine. I really like this cow. I think that she has a lot of potential and a lot of room to go, being a big Al daughter, and and coming back on top of Del Secchi's isn't isn't a terrible thing. I hope that. You know he gets everything he wants out of these because really the bull was sold at such a high value i hope that he really really does a good job in in making sure that the semen and the embryos turn out exactly like they want because i I feel like people have injected a ton of money into these animals trying to to prove these animals are great animals and i think that they have a good good opportunity but we'll never we'll know once the, the carcass data starts hitting hitting the rails, you know. So you know, and we move on to the next the next pregnancy um, that he has, and and he's got a full brother to to the bull Davy Crockett that he sells semen on. I think that Davy Crockett could be a, a pretty good bull long term. He's got the right breeding for it. Um, I think that long term tells a lot about these bulls. Um, Davy Crockett and you know, or the, and this bull, they both have the ability to make big moves in the industry, but somebody's got to be out there to prove them. Somebody's got to use them. And when you start mixing King David and and you throw in Big Al and and Shug Maru on the backside, you're, you're going to have animals that that should look okay and take care of things down the road. He's brought back another Mr. Clean. He bred that back to his his JC Mishrusha 121. I think for as old a cow as she is, she's really done a lot for the industry and she's really going to help him long term. Again, and then we fall down to the next to his next group of animals or animal. And that's lot 16. He's taken the the, the Sandman 662 and brought it back across that that Miss JC Rusha animal. And and I think that you know if I was going to pick one of these lots to buy, I would probably buy lot 17. You know the female is is very nice. I think that she's um, phenotypically okay. I. I I think she's short through the back, and that's the only the only thing I don't like about this female. But I think with smooth criminal, I think you're gonna get you're gonna get an animal that can pack on some meat. You're gonna knock them horns off, and you're gonna do a lot of things that make sense long term if you're trying to start out and you don't have a lot of room or knowledge or want to deal with horns. You know, and that's and that's huge, right? There's there's a lot to be said by being able to learn on an animal that gives you a, a potential to make some money. So when we go on to lot 18, he's got a little bit different here. The cow's 6306J. He picked that cow up not too long ago, I believe. And and, and I think that, that the cow, she's got some potential. Um, the big potential here is, again, you're, you're removing horns with Mr. Clean. You're not having to deal with those horns. And I think you'll get a decent carcass outcome from it again the next lot's a 662 lot 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 number 16 sorry um and and that's a good deal um sorry i i got off a little bit so 
Now we're going down to his lot cells of Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett has a sexed female, it looks like. Um, and and the thing is about Davy Crockett is is um, he's a new sire. Try him out. See if he works in your program. That's the only way you're going to know. You know, sometimes I breed a bull that everybody tells me is great. My cows just don't accept him well, and it turns into a mess for me. And sometimes I breed bulls that, that people tell me are absolutely terrible. You know, for years there's been touts from some of the bigger breeders that judo's no good. Heck, I've got some beautiful carcasses to show you if you think judo's no good. Another bull I get told that about is Kalinga Red Star. Oh, don't use him, don't use him. Heck, I'd rather use Kalinga Red Star and get BMS 8-9 meat than use Tamaru ever. So I, I run into those things. Tamaru doesn't work for me. There's a few other bulls out there that don't work for me. And it is what it is. I, I can't change what works for me because of where I live. So, you know, Seth's running this over the Akushi Association's convention next week. So you guys need to all, you know, take a look. If you're going to be into the pulled animals, this is the time to jump in, buy some pulled animals, and, and make a move. Make a change in the industry. Do things that you'd like to do to make your animals better and, and help help a good breeder out. Because Seth, I think, is doing a good job collecting animals that fit his program, that make the needs he has. And hopefully he can help you do the same thing. One of the last things I want to talk about today is the Wagyu world is moving at a rate I've never seen it. You know, when I first got in, there wasn't that many people, red or black, or together. And now it seems like the world's jumping in with two feet. And sometimes I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, especially when I start seeing things from Burger King that they have Wagyu burgers. It frustrates me slightly. But we had an interesting thing happen to us this week that I've never had happen before. We sold some product to a guy, and and he had talked to us, uh, and it, it, you know, it was one of those things. He talked to us. He told us what he was going to do with it. We helped him learn how to cook it and use it, and then he he used it for something he should have never probably used it for, and and we'd given it to him at a really good price because he we were just going to grind the eye of the round anyway, and. And he just misused the product and then couldn't figure out why he was having problems. So I sent our guy from the butcher shop down and he, he spent the day with him talking about it and showing him the different things and what he should be using and what he shouldn't be using. And I think that's where we all are failing. We are not educating our customers well enough about what to do, what to use, how to use it. And they're having bad experiences, especially when we start pulling cuts out that aren't normal. You know, a lot of our round meat ends up cut up and we sell it as, sell it with like as fajita meat. Um, and, and it's easy. It's easy to do. We don't have to grind it. And people love it. But he cut it thick and tried to use it as a steak and it just didn't work out for him. And then he was trying to figure out what he did wrong. And, and really what the problem was is he just misspecced what he wanted. And we went and told him, hey, if you're going to want to do that, let's get you into a sirloin or a sirloin tip or some tenderloin or, or something that's going to make you happy when you eat this meal and prepare it for your friends. So I want to leave that with you guys today. I want you guys to take a step back and think about this as an end game. If you're selling these animals or you're selling meat to people or you're selling animals for breeding and somebody comes up to you and goes, you know, what's your favorite thing about Wagyu? And you go, oh, it tastes so good. Make sure that you educate them a little bit. Make sure that they know that they can't take an eye of a round, cut it into steaks and expect it to be as good as ribeyes. 
or tenderloins or or New York's or sirloins or picanhas or culottes or whatever the uh, you know or brisket cut right like they're it, it just isn't going to be the same and we need to be able to inform everybody that even with wagyu there's proper cooking practices and we need to follow them we need to use the meat for what it's designed to be used for based on locomotion muscle and that's been the hardest thing i've learned this week and and sometimes i learn lessons hard and i did i felt absolutely terrible that we let him down we could have saved this guy a bunch of heartache if we would have just told him do not use that eye of round that you wanted in a whole piece as a steak if you want to cut it up and make stir fry with it you'll have a whole bunch of fun and it'll be great and everybody will love it but do not cut it into steaks and and the problem is is for most people it wouldn't have been a big deal but for him he's got a, such a a facet oh man i'm having a rough time today he has such a a high-end palate that he thought it was a touch chewy. It, it, the the tenderness was spot on, the flavor was spot on, but it was a touch chewy. Well, a little bit of it was the way he cooked it, but a little bit of it is he was using product inappropriately. I'm gonna leave you with that today, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I had a great Memorial Day weekend off in the rain, and we got some rain in Idaho, so we desperately needed that. And and let's start thinking about what we're going to talk about next. I'm almost out of sale season so that we can do more stuff straight with the butcher shop. I'm going to try to get our embryologist on on the phone one day and get him you know nailed down he's breeding a lot of cows right now and 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 collecting a lot of embryos he his slow times july and august when it's hot here in idaho and we don't collect he doesn't collect a lot of embryos then so you know i hope that you you know get excited and and stay tuned and i will have him on soon as i can get him wrangled down for an hour to do an interview and then as always we're going to have lane this month come on and talk about meat we're going to probably talk about what the, what are the questions you need to be asking the butcher before you drop your beef off and the other thing maybe we'll have him touch on is you know preparation of certain cuts and and i've had a ton of people reach out and tell me how much this has helped them i hope that i can continue to give you guys great information and great data i plan to have colby on in a week or two and we're going to go over you know the pitfalls of what we all thought we were getting into or what we wish we would have known before we started in the wagyu game and and i think that's going to be a fun segment um later on we're also going to start talking about bulls i'm going to start picking the bulls out and and, and giving honest feedback from bulls that we've used based on carcass data that we've collected and we've got a bunch of carcass data so i've got a lot of good options and a lot of good things to talk about coming up in in the next episodes so i'd like to thank you very much for staying with us and and being a weekly subscriber and tuning into us and i hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend and we we feel so blessed that you spend time with us every week and have a great evening and do what you know how to do and make your ranch the best that it can be. Long
to some place I've never been Maybe meet a couple locals, find some, put it in the wind Take a walk down the coastline, girl, you're looking so fine Me and you late night, disappearing low tide, yeah What you say about chilling by a palm tree? Two beach towels in a Hilton Motel Key Hot sun, white sand, beer by the case Got my eyes set on a pair of tenderly Got my own lawn chair in a cooler with wheels Sitting in the water with a